Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Time to get going on BetQLU, the first ever college basketball podcast, first ever live college basketball podcast on BetQL. Myself, Eli Herskovich, and Tom Casale at the Tom Casale on Twitter. That's where you can follow Tom on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Eli Herskovich for BetQLU. Uh, you can check out my college basketball breakdown from last night, but we're talking about it right now. So, Tom, how's it going today, man? Not bad. Not bad. How's everything going over there? It's good. I decided to bring three bottles of water into the room instead of uh, drinking orange juice like I did last week. So hopefully that's better for people checking out the show, you know, seeing a, a glass of OJ rather than uh, some water. I decided to switch it up and be a little more healthy. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm ready to roll. Let's do it. Got Let's the Bucknell hat going. <laughs> yeah, man, your visor today, your Bucknell visor, Patriot League visor. I'm all, I, I was expecting a hat, not a visor when I first saw it. So, you know, a little shaky there, but uh, we'll roll with it. Yeah, it was uh, it was the big Bucknell Loyola game, but it got canceled, so uh, it kind of kind of ruined my mojo. But we'll we'll still hit the uh, Patriot League lightning round. Don't worry about it. On to a game that we both have a bet on. So, a uh, quick recap for anybody joining us: uh, you have a bet on NC State. I have a bet on two bets on uh, one on Iowa State getting fourteen and a half or fifteen. The line's up to fifteen right now at some books, and I also have uh, Ball State getting nine and the line is down to eight and a half there, which I think is still bettable. Definitely a bettable number. St. John's at Providence, ma'am. This is a, a big game for Providence uh, with four losses in their last five games and St. John's winners of five and five in a row. Uh, I believe it's seven of the last eight games. So if you're, if you're looking to take uh, one of those situational spots where it's a letdown spot for St. John's coming off a double digit win over Villanova, this is definitely it. Yeah. And, uh, the the reason I like this uh, again, we this is similar to the pit game we we bet during the week. St. John's is a young team. If they were a veteran team, I don't know if I'd if I'd fade them here. But a young team beating Villanova like they did, you know, they averaged seven threes a game. They hit ten against Villanova. You know, like you you had St. John's in that game, and you were right on the money with the ball pressure was going to bother Villanova's guards. I mean, that was a perfect cap from you. It, everything went right. So this to me is a letdown spot, but man, Providence, they've lost six of eight. I, they, they're coming off one of the worst halves of basketball you'll ever see against Seton Hall. I mean, just atrocious. But, you know, they do have a big edge on the board. St. John's ranks last in defensive rebounding percentage in the Big East in, uh, in conference play, and Providence ranks fifth. So I do think that edge, and the other thing too is, say, and we mentioned this in the Villanova game, 
St. John's is not great defensively when they're not creating turnovers. Right. So if and Providence can be sloppy, but if they can protect the ball and use their advantage down low, I think they win this game. I just the the letdown spot for a young St. John's team is too good for me, so I'm going to take Providence. I got plus one and a half on the opener, uh, but I would play Providence up to minus two. Okay, and it's sitting at one and a half at some bucks. I got them at. Minus one earlier this morning, hoping that it would go back down to a pick. That's why I was waiting on the line. Go back to last night, but it's uh, up to one and a half. So I, I'm, I'm with Thomas. I would play this up to one and a half or, or two, to your point. Um, one one quick thing on just in-conference versus overall metrics. Like if you go to Kempom, um, Providence this season, if you just look at their standard stats uh, throughout the entire season, 63rd lowest turnover percentage in college basketball. And to Tom's point, when St. John's doesn't turn you over, their transition defense is pretty susceptible. And St. John's has the 20th highest turnover percentage defensively in college basketball opponents' turnover rate. But then you look at conference play, and that's where it gets a little bit concerning because Providence has the uh, fourth highest turnover percentage in conference play at 18.3%, and St. John's turns you over at the third highest clip in uh, in Big East play. It, it, that's the concerning part, is if Jared Bynum doesn't play and he's he could miss his eighth straight game for Providence today with a groin strain, then Providence's backcourt is still a little bit more depleted and you get less ball handlers against this excellent press. And we saw it against Villanova for a team that averages, what, like eight turnovers a game? They turned it over close to 17 times against St. John's. And their offense just looked completely out of it. And that's one of the best teams in college basketball. So then you, on the flip side, you go to Providence, one of the worst teams in the country, especially in the Big East, on the bottom in the bottom tier of the Big East Conference. And if they turn the ball over today, they're done. Uh, Providence can win this or St. John's can win this game by double digits, but I'm with you. The spot is too good to pass up. And one more thing on Providence is Nate Watson against this St. John's front court. If Providence plays more of a half court game, which is what they want to do. Providence wants to slow it down and St. John's wants to speed you up. I don't see how St. John's, they don't have a big to slow down Nate Watson, uh, with more. He can't really match up. Robinson Earl didn't get enough touches in the poster Villanova to establish him down low on Wednesday night. Uh, Providence is a, is a play for me and a really good letdown spot for St. John's. Yeah, and it's one of those games where, you know, people are betting St. John's. The line the, the line goes the other way. So it's right. Uh, there's those there's those, you know, not now or never spots for me. Like we had it with Pitt. This is it with like like if Providence gets beat by 20 here, then when they probably won't win another game the rest of the year. You know, they're, they're just they're, they're cooked They're And we'll talk about another spot coming up with St. Louis. Like there's spots where this is it like this is your last stand. So Providence either either comes legit at home today or I will fade them for the rest of the season. All right, so there it is, ultimatum from Tom. You, Bob, Ed Cooley's team comes to play, or they're done at his They're done. Uh, They're out. All right. Uh, One quick thing. Someone asked uh, this in the chat, um, if the total would be a play for us, or at least to discuss it. Um, The total in this game is sitting at 146. Uh, We didn't mention it, but St. John's is plus 104 on the money line. Any any thoughts on the total there? Would you consider the under? We kind of talked about that with Mizzou and Alabama. Yeah, it's it's a similar situation. Like, I it, if our cap goes right, I think Providence is going to slow this game down. It's going to be an ugly kind of game. You know, they're going to win like 62-58. St. John's going to struggle to shoot the ball from deep. So if I was going to take it, I would take the under. But to your point, if our cap is wrong, <laughs> then right. it could be 91-71 St. John's. So the way we're thinking, I would go under, but we have to be right on that thinking. No doubt about that. Uh, yeah, I would I would lean towards the under as well. St. John shot over 40% from beyond the arc in that uh, 
in yeah. that game against Villanova. And Villanova's three-point defense is very susceptible. So it's not like that wasn't necessarily expected if you were looking to cap St. John's Nova earlier in the week. But Providence's three-point defense, ma'am, uh, the third lowest three-point scoring rate in Big East play. So it, it's, it's a worse matchup for St. John's perimeter offense. And over their last two or three games, they have relied on a lot of their three-point shooting. You go back to the Marquette game last Sunday in the Villanova game, like I mentioned earlier in the week. Uh, Providence minus one and a half is, is a definite play, um, even though I got it at one and Tom got it at plus one and a half with the Friars. Yep. Uh, I, I feel pretty good about this one. We'll see how I feel uh, at halftime. Okay, so we both like Providence and a lean there to the under. Uh, next game on the board, I so this is like three out of four uh, games that I have bets on so far that we've talked about, which could be very good or a very, very bad thing. If, uh, if I have five bets and they're all losers by uh, 3 p.m. my time. Uh, Kansas at West Virginia. A uh, little bit of a, a, a revenge spot for the Mountaineers uh, coming off the Iowa State game, which was to me a look-at spot uh, coming into this game uh, against Kansas. And actually, very similarly, uh, West Virginia – beat Iowa State by a couple possessions earlier in conference play. And uh, that was going into the uh, the Kansas game where they lost pretty badly on the road, where, where uh, Bob Huggins unexpectedly went to a zone in the second half for the entire second half. I had no idea what I was watching, but it was probably to cover up when um, Shibway and Culver were both on the floor because they couldn't stick with that four-out one in offense against Kansas. And now uh, West Virginia has a completely different uh, look to this team. Uh, after Shibway left because they run a four-guard lineup with Jared Culver on the floor and sometimes just a, a five-guard lineup or at least five guys that could stretch the floor. I like this matchup against Kansas a lot. Uh, and if you look at the metrics here, Kansas giving up a bottom three-point scoring rate in uh, in-conference play. So if West Virginia is on from three with McBride and uh, and Taz Sherman, who's been insert- inserted into the starting lineup after West Virginia was coming off the COVID layoff, uh, West Virginia, uh, minus two and a half right now at most books is the consensus line. I would lay it here with the Mountaineers. Yeah, I look hard at this game. I do lean West Virginia. The I think it's going to be a pretty a pretty competitive game. I, I think the first time they played, that was Kansas's best game of the season. Uh, and, yeah. and you mentioned uh, in your article and just now about how West Virginia went to a zone. And we don't expect to see that today. You know, I do worry about the games where West Virginia is not making shots uh, they're not a tremendous rebounding team. Uh, Kansas is pretty good on the boards here. So that would be my one concern if uh, you get one of those Texas Tech-Kansas games where both teams look ugly offensively and, and, and Kansas gets a, a late win because Kansas looks ugly offensively a lot. The yeah. They have trouble making shots. Go that's back to the Tennessee the, game last Saturday. Yeah, and that's... That's kind of the game I see here. I do expect West Virginia to win, but this could be one of those ugly games. The you know one of those twenty five eighteen halftime scores. Uh, but if it is that way, I favor West Virginia because I think their defense will make enough stops down the stretch and cover this. This is a pretty short number, I think, in this game. Yeah, just again, it's the market perception of West Virginia because you come off that uh, the Iowa State game where you win by just a couple possessions. They were up though by double digits throughout that second half. So if you look at the final score, which some books do, and if you, uh, of course some books just copy the Kempom line, then you might say, okay, West Virginia uh, minus one and a half where it opened at, or, or maybe a little lower than that is is the right is the right price. But just the in terms of long term projections, and if you're if you're gauging this West Virginia team long term within the market, I think West Virginia is is miles ahead of miles ahead uh, of Kansas right now if they're shooting threes and if they're hitting threes uh, against a Jayhawks team that again perimeter defense is not their strong suit. 
if McCormick plays well and let's say Jared Culver is or Derek Culver is uh, disengaged defensively, then and also disengaged on the glass, then West Virginia could definitely be in trouble and they could lose uh, their both of their games against Kansas, which they did last year. But uh, I think I think the Mountaineers are the play, even though this line is is up two and a half. I got it at one and a half last night. So I've given out. Let's see here. You given out uh, North Carolina State and um, let's see. We're Providence. both on Providence and I have West Virginia, uh, Ball State, Iowa State, and, and that's Providence. it so far. I am Providence, right? So I have four games and you have two. So we have six bets so far. Yeah. For anybody yeah, that's you, looking to lose you, money in the last yeah, couple you, hours, you, you gotta you gotta have faith to follow you, man. I mean, uh, thank hey, good news out there. Baylor's not playing today, so he doesn't have a pick against them. You don't have to you don't have to pick against the team that wins every game by ten plus points. No doubt, I I, I really do like these spots though, and I think Ball State is very valuable at that number. Just going back to it for anybody that missed it, I think KJ Walton is expected to play, and West Virginia to me is just I, well, I got a team. And, and I was going to say, though, that's why you watch the show. I mean, how many places giving you out Ball State? We'll see if that's good or bad, but not many places giving you Ball State. No doubt. I uh, like the Cardinals a lot today, getting around three possessions. All right, next game on the board. We have a couple back-to-backs for you. Um, St. Bonaventure at St. Louis, your, your uh, third bat on the board for today. Yeah, this is, you know, maybe I'm not looking at St. Louis realistically because I do ha- I did bet them in the futures market. And I do think they've just had some bad luck with the COVID issues. You know, they've lost two straight against LaSalle and Dayton coming off the, the long COVID layoff. St. Bonaventure's won seven straight. So on paper, you know, maybe this doesn't look like a great spot. But to me, I still, I still think this St. Louis team can do some damage. Uh, I believe they're the most talented team in the A-10. Uh, I'm going to say, well, now they got their legs back, right? They've played those two games. And to, and to be honest, you know, Day- that, the game against Dayton wasn't a great game to come back from the COVID issues because Dayton's actually playing pretty well right now. So I'm going to excuse those two losses. And let's say this is another one of uh, those. Uh, it's now or never for the Billikens, okay? <laughs> I think yeah. uh, I think they've played the tougher schedule. The, you know, the, the real weakness this year is defending the three, but the Bonnies aren't a great three-point shooting team. The only thing that concerns me is, man, St. Louis fouls a lot. The, I mean, they, you, you get about 50 foul shots a game against them. But I do like this spot at home. I think this could be where St. Louis starts to turn it around and makes a run here. Uh, to be honest, if you told me a couple months ago I was going to get St. Louis at home minus three versus St. Bonaventure, I'd have my house on it. So I think there's a little value there. I have this line around five. We'll see what happens. I will say I agree with you that uh, St. Louis is a little valuable today. Now that it's up to four, maybe you throw the Billikens into a money line parlay. I- I'm probably not touching this line or maybe a live play if St. Bonaventure gets up because of how quickly live lines can change with, again, it's all computerized. So if, if St. Bonaventure goes up, Let's say 12-2 to start. St. Louis is probably around a pick, somewhere around that number, even though they're they're probably going to close around minus four. St. Bonaventure, though, is, is a really intriguing team for me mm-hmm. um, in the A-10, considering similar to St. Louis, they brought like all their guys back coming into this year. So I like the Bonnies overall. Uh, I think they could be dangerous in the, well, I mean, they're one of the better teams in the A-10. So uh, could be dangerous in the Atlantic 10 tournament. And if they get into the dance, could be a Sweet 16 team, but like you said, this is a must-win game for St. Louis if they have any shot of making the tournament after that loss to LaSalle earlier in the week. Yeah, and I like the Bonnies too. I mean, I was very high on all three of uh, 
St. Louis, Richmond, and St. Bonaventure coming into the season. I think they're all formidable teams. Any of them, like you said, that make the tournament are going to be a factor, I believe, for the first couple rounds. So it's not that I'm dismissing the St. Bonaventure team. It's just I don't I, – I think so highly of St. Louis getting them three here. Again, and you said it's up to around three and a half, four. Yeah. I, I would take it at that number. I think this is a great spot for them. But St. Bonaventure is a team – as we go even further down the line, uh, I'm very interested in backing, but we'll see. I, I, I this is more of a hunch play. Uh, well, I'm a, I, I'm like 50% lifetime on hunch plays, so we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens. Hopefully, it's up to 51 or 52 percent after <laughs> yeah. today's game. Um, what a couple quick notes on, on this one though. Um, it's a really interesting battle on the glass. Uh, St. Bonaventure in conference play the highest offensive rebounding rate in a 10 play and St. Louis with the second highest, but I mean, they've also, they've also haven't played much. So it's, it's, it's tough to gauge that sample size. And then on the flip side of that offensive rebounding rate, uh, St. Louis has a, of the second lowest offensive rebounding rate in conference play tough to tough to, again, calculate that in terms of what it means for this game, because St. Louis has been off a lot. And then uh, St. Bonaventure has one of the lowest defensive rebounding rates in uh, in Atlantic 10 play. So you can, you can probably gauge more and, and, uh, use more of St. Bonaventure's numbers overall, really, in Atlantic 10 play versus St. Louis uh, because St. Louis has played, like, what? Uh, maybe two games, two or three games in conference play. Yeah, and this, to me, is a game where moving forward, we'll, we'll get a lot out of it. I mean, if St. Louis wins by 20 today, that's, you know, I would say watch out. Uh, if they lose at home to St. Bonaventure, they're on my Providence list. You know, I have that happy that happy Gilmore-like list that I make. Uh, if you're on it, you don't want, you know, that, that's not good for you. Uh, Prov- we lose Providence and St. Louis today. They're on the list. All right. So either, it's again, it's another ultimatum for Tom. Uh, St. Louis shows up or... Win or, or else. <laughs> or else, or else. Um, uh, yeah, really quickly, too, on this game uh, for St. Louis. Um, going back to non-conference play, they, they had a big win over LSU. And I know, Tom, you were kind of intrigued by LSU to begin the season. Like LSU's play like shit in, in SEC yeah. play. So not that not that you were like not that anybody that was high in St. Louis coming into the year um is is wrong at this point because it's so hard to look at a team like this and uh, with all with uh, with a month long COVID layoff and say what what they could have been like over the last two games. They probably beat Dayton at home, whether they cover or not, and they probably beat LaSalle on the road. But that LSU win is is not that impressive anymore. So from an overall market standpoint, um Again, it's a great bounce back spot uh, for St. Louis coming off back to back losses, considering they lost uh, to LaSalle outright, not only against the spread, but outright earlier in the week. Still, not conference wise uh, against LSU. That's the most impressive win on the season, and it doesn't hold much value at this point. Yeah, and, you know, St. Bonaventure hasn't really played anyone either. I mean, St. Louis played, did play Minnesota and LSU. But to your point, like, we didn't get to see a full strength St. Louis play a full strength Richmond. The, you know, they were, that was a game right. that was supposed to happen and didn't. So, like, if we get to watch those games in a normal season, you start to get a better feel for these teams. But with all these stoppages and guys being out, it's just harder to get a good read, especially in conferences like this. No doubt. So let's continue on on the board. Tom likes St. Louis. And you would lay that up to minus four, correct? Yes. Okay. So we move on from St. Bonaventure to St. Louis and hit on... Your Patriot League lightning round, but just one game to touch on <laughs> with Boston U at Colgate. And, uh, man, it's a little disappointing considering all the uh, – we talked about COVID, the COVID layoff for St. Louis. A ton of games in the Patriot League getting canceled because of the coronavirus. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I had everything. I had my Bucknell hat. I had the Bucknell Loyola game. I had I had a bunch of stuff for that. It got canceled. So we got one game today and one game tomorrow. So let's get into it. Boston at Colgate, open 14 and a half, down to 13 and a half. On paper, complete mismatch. Let me give you some of these stats. In Patriot League play, five top offensive categories. Colgate's ranked 1-1-1-1. One, 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 one. Boston in the same categories for defense, 10-10-10-10-10. There's 10 teams in the Patriot League. So that's a bad matchup defensively for Boston. Now, they played twice this year earlier on. Now, Colgate beat them by 7 in the first game, 44 in the second game, scored 89 and 86 points in those games. But here's the thing for me. BU had some issues with COVID and were down some players at that point. When they, when they were at full strength two weeks ago against Lafayette, that defense looked a lot better. They held one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country to 10 of 45 from three in those two games that weekend, and they won both of them. I think there's a little value here on BU. That's where I lean. I'm not going to bet this game. I might bet it on the back-to-back. -back. We took Colgate last week on the back-to-back -back after a close game with a Holy Cross. They blew them out on the second leg. So I'm going to wait to see what happens here. If Colgate wins this game big, I'll like Boston tomorrow. If it's close, I might go Colgate. Uh, but if you follow me on Twitter, you'll get those picks. And now the Loyola game, they did reschedule. So in honor of Loyola playing basketball tomorrow... I'm going to switch the hats. Switch it up. There it and is. And we're going with Loyola, baby. Loyola, <laughs> Lafayette. Loyola's 0-5. These two teams played twice earlier this season. Lafayette won each by two points. Tomorrow, Loyola gets their first win of the season over Lafayette uh, at home. I, we don't know what the line's going to be. I imagine Lafayette's going to be a couple-point favorite. But take Loyola, first win of the season over Lafayette. How about that? Tom just made his recruiting decision. He's going to Loyola, Maryland. I like it. Uh, from visor to to uh to baseball cap i dig it man yeah, you, you, you can't say a guy who's going out buying patriot league hats isn't taking the show seriously that's for sure that's true i guess i gotta get my depaul depaul hat uh they're playing butler today and i don't even want to talk to talk about that game i was actually i was messaging with somebody really quick earlier on twitter because butler won that game at depaul by double digits earlier in conference play and he was saying well you wonder if dave leto is going to adjust and Dave Lato isn't going to adjust. So don't take DePaul. Get in the six and a half at Butler, please. Uh, please stay away from that game if you're, if you're even considering DePaul today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Uh, on to another mid-major game, Austin P at Moorhead State. And you texted me verbatim yesterday, pretty much. If you're going to talk about Austin P, and I forgot to include... Of course, your lightning 
uh, your Patriot League lately right on the rundown. I got to talk about my Patriot League. And you got that in, so I wanted to uh, touch on Austin P really quick against Moorhead State. Moorhead State coming off, I believe this is this will be their 10th straight winner. That's what they're gunning for today. Austin P coming off a big win uh, earlier in the week, um, a couple big wins, and they're they're healthy now. Um, just looking at this roster, Terry Taylor, one of the best mid-major players in college basketball from an athleticism standpoint and from a talent standpoint. I think you're getting a lot of value with Austin P today with the governors. Um, and Jordan Adams, too, is is healthy for the first time really all season, just going back to the last few games. Um, again, Morehead State a little bit overvalued just in the market right now, uh, just how well they played. Um, Austin P was able to stop Eastern Kentucky's winning streak, and I think they were able to knock down um, knock down Morehead State today, and you're getting two and a half. I would take the points, but I think Austin P wins this game outright. This is the the best team in the OVC to me, the Ohio Valley Conference. Um, and I think Austin P plays like it for a second straight game today. Yeah, and I, I don't have much to say on the game, but I will say this about Austin P to your point about them being healthy. It was either Goodman or Rothstein, I can't remember who, who tweeted out earlier in the year to watch out for Austin P that they could be the best mid-major team not named Gonzaga. So I, I just remembered that. And then they had kind of some issues where they lost some players. So to your point, maybe like St. Louis, maybe they start putting it together today. Uh, they won that game. They're coming off that win. And I know going into the season, they were the consensus favorite to win this conference. So I, I do kind of like this spot. So I'm going to follow you on this one. It's not one of my picks, but I'm going with Eli. So we know who to blame if Austin P does not cover. You gave me you gave me crap for like four bets earlier in the show. <laughs> we were not doing I hit on Ball State, but you're back if you had Austin P. I appreciate that. Uh, just overall, one more quick thing on Austin P. The Governor's 69th highest opponent's turnover rate in college basketball. Morehead State has a bottom 14 turnover rate offensively. So they turn the ball over a lot. If Austin P is able to get on a transition again with that athleticism, Terry Taylor, if you haven't watched Austin P, you didn't watch him last year. Um, uh, this team is very athletic and just from a talent standpoint, uh, much, much better than Morehead State. Uh, even though Morehead State has a really good 6'10 freshman big. Um, I think Austin P is able to win this game outright, but take the points just to be safe, especially because it's around a possession at plus two and a half for me, Austin P, my fifth play on the board. Um, on to uh, the latter part of the slate here as we hit around, I think it's this game tips around 2.30 Eastern. Uh, Wisconsin at Illinois, a huge game in the Big Ten uh, with the Illini coming off that win over Indiana in overtime where, I mean, the refs just completely took out Desumu out of the game down the stretch. Um, calling him out for his fifth foul with about a minute and change left. And uh, Illinois wins that game in overtime. Thanks to Trent Frazier and Kofi Coburn. And Wisconsin, uh, from a market standpoint, probably needs this game more than Illinois, even though uh, this game for Illinois, this kind of a win would propel them in terms of the futures market. They're around 20 to 1 to win the title. But uh, I would say a must-win game for Wisconsin just because of how they played against upper echelon teams in the Big Ten so far. No doubt about it. And those officials in the in the Illinois-Indiana game should be fired. They should never work another game again. That was embarrassing. Uh, there's no about, way you should, really you quick. should ever ever officiate a college basketball game like that. How about Dan Dockich? Is Mike going out with like a minute left to go in that one too? So they, <laughs> they take they take the sumo out of the game and then Dockich gets taken out of the game too. I, I enjoyed that. I'm not a huge fan of Dockich. That was a, that that game was a complete mess. I mean, uh, I mean their review just awful, awful officiating. But to your point here on uh, on Wisconsin, you know I I like them in the back to back with Penn State. We mentioned it on our weekly show. I didn't bet it because the line was like eight eight and a half, but they ended up winning that game. 
uh, by 16. I thought that was a great spot for him. And Wisconsin is a team I've bet quite a bit this year, either for or against. Uh, and I keep saying I kind of keep waiting for him to wake up. Still haven't seen it yet, though. So I don't have an opinion, but this is a big game for Wisconsin, I think, because now we're in the middle of February. They got to start turning it on, and they have to win this game against Illinois. Because if they lose this one, then you know you're coming off losses to Illinois, Penn right. State, Ohio State. They got killed by Michigan. I mean, so when at some point it's too late to be the team we thought you were going to be. So I agree, this is a big game for Wisconsin. They have to win this one. And it's crazy to say that, and some people watching or listening might be saying. Well, they're eight and four in Big Ten play. Like, what? Well, it's a it's a good conference record. There's no doubt about that. But you split with Penn State, Penn State team that actually has a shot to make the tournament. Big win for them over Maryland last night. You lose by double digits at home to Ohio State. You lose by 23 points uh, on the road at Michigan, and that game was well, like a 40 point game, almost a 40 point game. Yeah, at we point. were both on Wisconsin. That was, we we. Uh, <laughs> good news is, is you might not get a worse bet from us for the rest of the season. But but no, but right. we, like maybe maybe I was too high on them. But coming into the season, I was down more on Iowa, and I was high on Wisconsin. I thought this was one of the five or six best teams in the country, and so far we haven't seen it. A couple of quick things on Illinois, and really concerning things overall in the Big Ten for this Illini team. They're they're giving up the highest three point uh, clip in, in conference play, so the highest three point percentage opponents three point percentage right now in in Big Ten play in their Big Ten games. Wisconsin could shoot the three ball at a, at a pretty high clip, even though they've been a little inconsistent uh, middle of the pack right now in conference play uh, in three point shooting, and then turnovers. Now Wisconsin doesn't turn you over, so no. I don't think Illinois is going to get taken advantage of in, in that category. But the Illini have the the fifth highest turnover rate. In, uh, in in conference play, and have, I've turned the ball over a lot, too. We really saw that get exposed in the Baylor game when they lost by double digits, too. Yes, a really good Baylor team, but like Illinois, from a market standpoint, then was was around 12-1 to 1 to win the title. And they were, what, like three-and-a-half, four-point dogs, maybe closer to five in that Baylor game where it opened. I think it was bet down to four. Um, if Illinois wants to win this game outright, I know they're, they're favored, uh, favored by around three to, to beat Wisconsin later today. They cannot turn the ball over. And I know Wisconsin doesn't turn you over, but if you're sloppy with the ball, Wisconsin will take advantage in transition. And and to that point, that could get their three-point shooting going too. Yeah, this is similar to Missouri-Alabama for me. It's a game I just want to sit back and watch, take some notes on for future bets, uh, but I don't see any value either way in, in betting the, betting this game. And if one last thing on Wisconsin, if uh, I, I agree with you, I'm staying away. I can't even bet the fucking game in Illinois because of Illinois legislature. But uh, if Kofi Coburn, I mean, you just lo- you watch his like lateral movement and it's just, it still isn't there. Um, even though he no. came back to school and you thought that would have proved. That's a good point. Um, if, if Micah Potter and Nate Reavers are both able to take advantage, which they should be able to uh, because they could both face the floor. Um, I think Illinois is in trouble today with, with Wisconsin running out there two bigs with that two big lineup with Reavers and Potter. That's a good point because I was actually thinking that in the Indiana game, man, if this guy could move a little bit, he'd be a lottery pick with his size. He did not you look good against Jackson No, he, he did not look good at all. I noticed that too watching the game. So that is a good point. Maybe Wisconsin, maybe Wisconsin's big man can take advantage of that down low. I kind of hope Wisconsin wins this game because I'm kind of sick of all the Illini hype. <laughs> I just I, I think there's going to be some more spots later on to bet Wisconsin if I can see some signs of life against a good team. No doubt. So we continue down on the card. We've hit on a lot so far. For anybody just joining, um, Tom has a bet on NC State. He would lay that up to minus four. I have a bet on Iowa State. I would bet that down to plus 14. I believe it's still sitting at uh, plus 15, plus 14 and a half for the Cyclones on the road at Oklahoma, even though Austin Reeves is back. I have Ball State, and 
We're about 11 minutes from tip in that game. Probably going to have to zip through some of these games a little quicker. KJ Walton not listed as a starter. Um, just to show a quick note on that game, I'm kind of surprised considering he was eligible to come back from the COVID protocol, but he's not starting. He could come off the bench. Uh, but KJ Walton, Ball State's best player, not starting today. So we'll see if that line moves a little bit. Um, we both like Providence uh, against St. John's. I like West Virginia. And you like St. Louis and Boston, uh, or Colgate, that is, uh, both laying the points at home. And then I like Austin P at Moorhead State. So just a little catch up there with our game so far. Yeah, and um, I just I'm just happy you're no longer uh, pitching this as a 30 minute show. I I, I appreciate I'd you. Say it. <laughs> I mean, when, when you first told me this was going to be 30 minutes, I, I I was just laughing. No no way. Yeah, we've gone about 50 minutes, and we've hit on probably uh, two thirds of our game. So we got we got to catch up here. Uh, Syracuse at Clemson. This line I believe is still up to three and a half. It was it's up to four. Wow. So Clemson now a four point favorite at home against Syracuse. A uh, total of 135, and the Orange are plus 155 on the money line. Uh, one quick note on the Orange, Sidibe, uh, one of the better bigs, is back for, for Syracuse. So that, that means a lot to this zone, to this 2-3 zone for, for Bayheim. But to that point, uh, what does he do rotation-wise? So, uh, again, I like Syracuse a lot long-term. We've kind of touched on that, especially after that big win over Vatek a couple weeks back. But in this game, it might take a game or two for Syracuse and Bayheim to get there our rotation right with Sidibe back. Yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's funny to people like me who grew up, I, for those of you who don't know, I live near Syracuse. I grew up watching the Orange. You telling people it's going to take two or three games for Bayheim to get the, the rotation? Uh, we're wait, it's been 40 years we're waiting for this guy to get his rotations right. I'm, listen, I'm not going <laughs> to go into his ridiculous 2-3 zone and his stubbornness not to change and all that bullshit. That's, I'll, I'll, I'll fire up another podcast just on Jim Bayheim. But... Radio.com presents Thomas Casale's Jim Bayheim podcast. Yeah, and you, you can tell how upset I am because I actually finally swore. So I know Eli is very happy about that. But <laughs> <laughs> the I do think I, Syracuse just missed my card today. And again, I, I have trouble betting them because I'm probably biased. But Syracuse's weakness is rebounding and three-point shooting. And Clemson, they're not a great rebounding team and they don't shoot the and they don't defend the three very well. So I think this is a good matchup. But then again, maybe Syracuse doesn't score. And again, I, I just, I'm not trusting Bayheim to play the right guys yet. We'll see if he gets there. The, the one reason I do like Syracuse, though, is this. Clemson is coming off games versus Duke and UNC. I think it's a good spot for Syracuse. Because when you go to Clemson, you're, you're, you want to play the guys from Duke and UNC. Those were two big games for them. So maybe they start a little slow today. They have a little trouble with the zone. think it's going to be a close game. Eileen taking the points. Okay. No, it's I, I, I'm with you there. Um, my only concern with Syracuse, again, besides the zone, and um, well, actually it has to do with the zone, because if Clemson's on from three, and this is one of the most inconsistent offenses in college basketball, even though you have a really elite big in Amir Sims who can also handle the ball, and create a little bit from that uh, point forward position. Um, if Clemson's shooting well from three, and they do have the 63rd highest three-point scoring rate in college basketball, that's a big if, considering how they've shot in conference play. This is the the worst three-point shooting team in, in ACC play. So, uh, But if they're out from three, which they could be, um, it could be one of those get-right spots uh, for Clemson, at least from a three-point perspective, against a zone defense, uh, which they haven't faced all, all ACC play. Um, that's the concerning part for Syracuse. Yeah, and if, if, if they are on from three, we know that Jim Beheim's not going to change out of the zone. So, hey, right. that's the good thing about playing Syracuse. If you're hot, 
you win. Uh, there's no adjustments at halftime or anything. So if they if they're on from three, it's good night Syracuse. Uh, but I'm I'm with Thomas. I would consider uh, taking the points of Syracuse, especially if this if the market keeps adjusting and the line keeps going up. Uh, but we'll see how Bayheim does rotation wise. Even though Thomas thinks uh, he hasn't ever figured it out with uh, with the Syracuse rotation, um, a huge game in the Big Twelve is Texas at Oklahoma State. Um, with Texas coming off that loss earlier in the week to Baylor, a game that I was on, they played really well in the second half. Uh, but after after uh, Texas picked up that technical foul. Um, with Greg Brown on the dunk when he made it a four-point game, kind of took him out of the game, and Baylor kind of woke up and, and trucked him the rest of the way. But Texas is currently a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Oklahoma State, total of 147, and the uh, Oak State um, is at plus 120 on the money line. Uh, would you consider taking Texas in a bounce-back spot or Oak State kind of a bounce-back spot too after that TCU loss when they were favored by four, four-and-a-half? Yeah, I can I can speed up the show because I don't have an opinion on this. After Oak State lost to TCU, that that eliminated this game for me. I was going to look at Texas, but now they're coming off a loss. I just don't like the spot. I think it's a dead even game. I make Texas maybe a one two point favorite in this game, so the spread's kind of right there. Uh, just no no strong feeling. Again, another game I'm going to watch and maybe take some notes for the future. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. It's it. I think it's just from a market standpoint. Like we always talk about bounce back spots, right? And I get Texas has struggled of late. They've lost three of their last four games. They looked inept against Baylor down the stretch, like I mentioned, after Greg Brown picked up that tactical foul. My question for you is, could this just be a little, and I know this is one of my favorite words, and I haven't brought it up on the show just yet, Texas regressing a little bit to what they should be. Um, even though they started out really hot, like you look at the teams that they played in their last, in their three or four losses, um, Texas Tech at home, Oklahoma, who's proven to be one of the better teams in the Big 12 so far, and Baylor at home. Like, no real impressive wins in, in, in non-conference play. Uh, their only loss in non-conference was against Villanova, which was closed down the stretch. They beat Kansas handily um, at Allen Fieldhouse, but now we know what Kansas is. Uh, they beat West Virginia on the road, which was an impressive win, uh, but I, th- I still think West Virginia was adjusting for that stretch without, without Sheboy. Maybe Texas isn't back this season. I- I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, and that's why I want to watch this game. I want to see how they play on the road. This is a game they should win. They're more talented than Oklahoma State overall, I think. So I want to see it. But I still like Texas. I I don't penalize people for losing to Baylor. Uh, Baylor's just that good. So I want to see how they respond off that loss. If they come out and get a tough win on the road, then I think we're okay. If they lose another one, then to your point, uh, maybe it's time to start getting worried about this team. Turnover, like talk about being worried about Texas. Turnovers is my biggest concern because that came into play down the stretch against Texas Tech and it came into play against Baylor down the stretch too. So uh, Texas definitely a little concerning in my eyes. Thomas just wants to wait and see with Texas. And to, uh, we just got a comment too uh, from Sean uh, Hockery. I don't know if it's, if it's separated, but either way, um, uh, Texas misses a lot of free throws. So mm-hmm. you go back to the Baylor game. They missed, they did miss 11 free throws in that game, turned the ball over a lot and missed a lot of, missed a lot of uh, uh, easy bunnies from the free throw line. So um, it's, it's a good point, but again, turnovers is my concern overall, which really hasn't corrected itself uh, for Texas uh, down on the board. We only have a few minutes left. So about three more games to hit on North Carolina at Duke, this line sitting at UNC getting four points. So Duke laying the four coming off that Miami loss and UNC coming off the loss at Clemson earlier in the week. 
Again, no opinion. I would lean North Carolina taking the points because I think Duke's a little overvalued. I think their size down low can give Duke some issues. But with all these games on the board, I have no interest in betting this one. And that's a consistent issue, just really quick, for Duke overall. Um, is for the last whatever, how maybe like decade for, for Coach K defenses is interior defense. And to your point, um, UNC has a really good front court with Garrison Brooks and Baycott. So I, I like the matchup from that standpoint. And Duke doesn't really have the size to match up with either of those guys. And we saw that come into play last year in that UNC Duke game, even though UNC was struggling down the stretch. And I think Duke came came up big late in that one. But um, I, I'm with you. I think UNC getting four, keeping it within two possessions is the play there. Uh, next game on the board, a couple more to hit on, is Tennessee at Kentucky. With Tennessee coming off that loss to uh, Ole Miss earlier in the week after it seemed like they got things right against Kansas last Saturday. And uh, and Kentucky coming off another loss, um, this time to Missouri, Missouri earlier in the week, even though they were playing better throughout that game. Yeah, I'm not betting this, but I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee lays the wood today. The, the Kentucky Do you think they're a little undervalued uh, just at sitting at minus four? Yeah, just because it's Kentucky, uh, and I, I think their defense is going to give Kentucky a lot of problems. When you have trouble shooting against Tennessee, we saw this with Kansas, uh, that, that's not a great mix. Uh, I feel like this is a game Tennessee ends up winning by double digits. Um, the market is disagreeing a little bit. That line down to uh, Tennessee minus 3.5 for minus 4, total of 126, and Kentucky plus 135 on the money line. I, I will say in the second half against a pretty good defensive team, in Missouri, Kentucky picked it up. Uh, Davion Mintz uh, was playing really well, and he's I mean, he's Kentucky's best guard. Askew should not be playing 30 minutes a game, but he's kind of forced to. He's like he's like high school age. I think he's around 18. But um, I, I know 18-year-olds, it's 18 and 19 when you're playing as a freshman in college basketball. But he really shouldn't be playing college basketball right now, let alone playing 30 minutes a game. So it, it just goes to show Kentucky doesn't have a true point guard, even though Mintz is solid, uh, at least a reliable point guard. Uh, like you go back to the last couple of years with Ashton Hagens. Yeah. And I mean, we'll see what, ha- I, I have no interest in this game. Um, I, I, Kentucky, I, I, to me, at some point, the bottom's going to fall out there. So we'll see if it's today. Could very well be today. I'm staying away from that one as well. The last intriguing game on the board here, Thomas, before we get out of here, maybe before you give out your Sunday pick is UCLA at USC, a big one in the Pac-12 with USC laying three, Two of the better teams, really, right now, or in terms of um, the way they played of late, um, uh, only one loss in their respective last ten games apiece. So uh, UCLA um, without Chris Smith, he got uh, he's out for the season. Going back to about five games or so ago, really athletic board for UCLA and Evan Mobley is playing really well right now for for USC. Yeah, again, I, I'm not big in the Pac-12 this year. I don't bet it much, uh, but I would lean USC here. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. I think I would play USC considering their size advantage. And I don't know how USC really matches up with Evan Mobley, who's one of the best freshmen in college basketball. So I would I would lay the points there with USC um, within a possession right now or just at around a possession at minus three. Um, last thing that I want to get to is Sunday action. Uh, for anybody that wants to check this out on the podcast or is listening via podcast, uh, Iowa at Indiana before we get out of here, man. A big game in the Big Ten um, after Iowa got blown out which is crazy to say, not blown out, but lost by a few possessions against Ohio State when they were up 11 uh, in the second half. Yeah, and uh, so I'm 5-0 and in Iowa games, as Eli found out this week, uh, when it comes to, you know, everyone at work always wondered what would happen if Tom and Eli went head-to-head. 
Well, we saw it was Casali with an eighth round TKO. Mm. Uh, I had Ohio State. <laughs> uh, I mean, people were people were worried about you, Eli. They were like, "What's going on? Eli's laying five and a half with Iowa." <laughs> so, it, is uh, a, it was a big that, favorite. But it was an odd. It, it was an odd pick for you. Let's be honest. The the way you gamble. One thing. One thing I do want to say with Iowa, from a market standpoint, like overall this season, when we talk about market perception, if if people think I was off on Texas and they're high on Texas overall because of the body of work. I'm high on Iowa overall because of the body of work. And they're also without uh, C.J. Frederick, who did, I think it was late, uh, maybe an hour or so before the game, uh, he was ruled out for that game. But you're getting, they were getting five, and, or they were laying five and a half at home, and they had just come off a tight game against Michigan State. They came out back-to-back losses before that. So from an overall body of work, I thought I was, was getting value in the market, and I was lower on Ohio State. But man, they looked really good. I was—I yeah. don't think—I don't think Iowa State has the offense to match up with a, a Baylor or a Gonzaga if they if they get to the Final Four. And let's say they get a one seed, but they're—they're—they're—they um, they're, they're, they're able to space the floor. They could shoot it uh, pretty much at every position with Liddell, uh, his ability to space the floor, and, and Young too came up big down the stretch. So I like this Ohio State team. I was really impressed. Yeah, me too. And uh, that's the, th- the thing with Iowa. This is going back to the preseason podcast we did. Their defense just isn't good enough. Everyone knows that they're not going to win anything with that defense. But I love them on Sunday, uh, laying like three and a half, four at Indiana. Indiana got them that first game. That was one of those games where Iowa couldn't make a shot from three. And it, Iowa's a pretty easy team, right? When they, when they can't make those three-pointers, they're in trouble. But to me, I think this sets up very, very well for Iowa. Uh, so I'm going for six and zero Super Bowl Sunday. Let's go Iowa minus the points on the road and Shaq Barrett to get a sack. We get those two things home, baby, and it's a big Super Bowl Sunday. I like it. I like the Shaq Barrett play as well. I think the Bucks just from a uh, quick thing uh, on the Super Bowl. I think the Bucks win that game outright tomorrow. And uh, a couple props that I like. I like the Ronald Jones over rushing yards. And on the flip side, um, I like Daryl Williams under rushing yards sitting at around 28 and a half. So a couple of rushing props for me, I'll be laying it with Iowa. Most likely if C- if uh, Frederick plays Um, again, miss that Ohio state game. This offense does not look right without him. So if he plays tomorrow, probably an Iowa play for me. Um, But if, if not, like that's a desperate Indiana team too at home. No, it's not the same with home court advantage, Uh, but I, I would consider Iowa. If Frederick does play Boise state, one more quick play for tomorrow is, is very likely to be a play for me coming off that tight loss to, Nevada last night with R.J. Dennis missing the three. It rimmed out, and Nevada ended up winning that game outright. But I think Boise State laying whatever number, a short number against Nevada is the play. Cal Stanford playing for the second time in, in four nights. Just more of a note than anything. Cal's probably going to get double digits. Um, and they do have Matt Bradley back over the last few games, who's one of the better guards in the Pac-12. Uh, that might be a play for me if, if Cal's still getting, which they should be getting, around you know, 11, 12 points against Stanford. Yeah, and um, should we uh, say that on Tuesday's podcast, we'll announce the winners of the $50 since you talk too much in this podcast. We don't have yes. time to do it. <laughs> we'll save it. So if people want to still get the submission uh, submissions in, go get your review on iTunes. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review uh, to BetQLU. Also, go download the BetQL app today uh, using the promo code daily. Get 20% off your subscription. But leave a review of your favorite college basketball feature on the board. And you could win 50 bucks. I'm giving away 50. Tom's giving away 50. So it's been a good week with reviews on iTunes. Yep. And uh, we appreciate everybody listening. Uh, keep leaving those reviews. And a small time over here sent the sent the tweet before talking to me. I'd have given you 100. I mean. Small time. 
Small time. All right. Anyways, uh, that is Tom Casali uh, at the Tom Casali on Twitter. I'm Eli Herskovich. You can follow me there on Twitter at Eli Herskovich. You can follow BeckQL on Twitter at BeckQL app. That's going to do it for the latest edition of the BeckQL U podcast. Good luck on your bets today, and thanks for watching and listening.